Hello, and thank you for joining us today for Journeys in Grace. My name is Pastor Eric Hubbard, and as we go into the Word of God, I pray today that it would be a blessing to you and to all that would hear us and, and study with us as we take this journey through the Word of God. And today we're going to continue on our study of the Word or the Seed of God. And we're going to start today in the book of Genesis. The Word of God, as we've been uh, talking and um, and and emphasizing over these last few uh, lessons, is that the Word of God is a seed. And I just want to emphasize again <clears throat> the importance of the Word and the importance of taking the Word as a seed. And we're going to start again in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to talk about how that even in the beginning, as the Word, we see how the importance of words and how the words paint a picture and the words that we receive into our hearts are those same things that we will walk out in life. Again, the words that we receive and we meditate on, those are the things that we will walk out in life. Because the things that we do, whether we're going on vacation, we're getting a job, that you know we're making plans for, for uh, um, a house or a marriage or whatever that case may be, we first meditate it and then we speak it. We speak and say, one day I'm going to get married, or I'm going to marry this person or that person, or I'm going to, this is the career. As a little child, as a little boy, uh, they have these dreams in their heart, and they begin to speak, and they ask, Johnny, what do you want to be? Uh, Mary, what do you want to be? Uh, 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 John, what do you want to be? And they begin to speak. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a um, lawyer, a doctor. I want to be a, a baseball player. I want to be a, a doctor, a psychiatrist. Uh, I want to be a mom. I want to be a dad. You know, all these things are words that come to life because we not only speak them, we meditate on them, then we move toward them. So here in the book of Genesis, uh, the third chapter, and as we read this chapter, just think about the things that are being said here. And we read this, hopefully many of you are familiar with the book of Genesis, it's Genesis being the book of beginnings. And I'm going to paraphrase some of it here. So as we go into that, I'm going to read the first three verses of this book. Genesis 3, chapter 1. So this is chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the garden, of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. But I'm, just, I'm not going to stay here long, but I just want to emphasize first the importance of words. And if you read that third verse, and you go back and read the first and second chapter of uh, the book of Genesis, God never said, Don't touch it. That's why it's important to, not only, as we today have the written scripture, but what Eve had, was what God had said, what either Adam had told her or what she had heard from uh, uh, the Lord that he communed with them in the evenings. But they had, they, she knew that God said, uh, you shall not eat of it, and that if you do, you're going to die. But he never said, don't touch it. And see, Eve added something that God didn't do. So as Satan began to deceive her, and the Bible says that uh, she looked at it, and it looked, it looked tasty. It, was, it looked like it was a good fruit to eat. And so she was deceived. How? By words. So let's skip down now to the 13th verse. And God has now, uh, well, the Lord had 
uh, come back into the garden. He inquired where Adam and Eve were, was, and he began to speak to Eve in the third, uh, Adam rather, in the, in the 12th verse. And he said, and, and brother Adam said, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Playing the blame game. And the 13th verse says, And the Lord said to the woman, What is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Notice, the serpent did not try to crush her. He did not uh, uh, try to put fear on her. What he did was he used words. He told them that God was somehow trying to hold something back from them. And again, you got to go back in, into this chapter and read this, how that, uh, well, you won't, you, won't, you won't die. You know, you'll become wise and all these other things that he brought up in this chapter. But again, these words he was filling the, uh, the mind of, of Eve up with to, dis, to, to take her away where she did not even realize that what Satan was actually telling her, she already was. She already was wise. She already was like God. And all these things that uh, are written here, you would understand that uh, as, as uh, the, the serpent was speaking these things, these are the things that deceived Eve. She, she was deceived and she discovered that now I'm out of the will of God. So we're going to go from the 13th verse and the 14th verse. And now we're going to read what God says in the, in the, in the, uh, in the 14th. And the Lord said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon the belly, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust. Yes. Hello. Hey. Yes. I said, what are you doing? I'm recording the thing for Sunday. Oh, oh, goodbye. And as we read this, we see that Eve has, was, was being deceived and as God spoke to them and he said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast about the field, and upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And what did he says here? He says, I will put enmity. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to put an opposition between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, if you know anything about biology, the woman does not have a seed; the man has a seed. And what? And if you would do research and and and, and search this out, he was God was prophesying the birth of a, of of the son of God by a virgin, because a woman does not have a seed; the man does. So. As God spoke this way back, far back in, in, the, in the beginnings of time, he was letting Satan know, I'm sending my, my son, going to come. And because he's coming, he is going to crush your head. Although you will bruise his heel and he will die. But Satan didn't know this. He didn't know the full plan of God, but he know, okay, the seed is coming. And you will see this throughout scripture. As we saw in the time of Moses, as we saw in, in, in other times of the scripture, how that Satan uh, in the time of Moses and 
the uh, deliverer was prophesied. And what did, what did uh, Pharaoh do? They tried to kill all of the male children in the time of Christ. Uh, it was prophesied and, and it was spoken by uh, that, that the Messiah was coming. And then the Magi came through and they told Herod that we're coming to see the Christ child, the one that was born. And what did Herod do? He just commanded his soldiers to kill everybody two years and below. Why? Because he wanted to destroy the seed. And as we move forward, we're going to discover that seed, and as we talked about in the earlier lesson, the seed is the word of God. That's what we talked about a little bit uh, in a couple of lessons prior. The seed is the word of God. And this is why the word is being now, is being attacked. It seems like it's a smear campaign. That the Bible is too old. It can't be trusted. It can't be, why are we taking something that's over 2,000 years old, or even in some instances 4,000 years old, and try to take something that old and make it today? How can it be relevant? How can we uh, make the word of God relevant? The time written by men died ages, centuries ago. But yet it is. It is relevant. Today and forever will be relevant. Because God's word shall be fulfilled. And it is relevant for the church. And not only for the church, it's relevant for the world. So let's go on now. As we see here again, what we want to, the point we want to get from this is the word or the uh, Christ being the word. He was prophesied in the beginning of times that this spoken word, because word deceived, uh, the word deceived Adam and Eve. Well, Eve, rather, was deceived. Adam uh, committed high treason. He knew better. But because Eve was going left, he decided, I'm going to. Okay? So let's go now uh, to our second point we're going to talk about today. How that not only is the word is important, but the word, the reason why the words, are, they paint a picture. Words paint a picture for us. You know, you can talk about uh, a flower. And I say, y'all, flowers pretty. And everybody say, oh, well, you know, I can think of a, you think of uh, tulips or you think of, of, of uh, lilies or whatever that may be. But then I say, well, you know what? What if roses are beautiful? And people think about roses. They're yellow roses, white roses, pink roses. But if I say, what about, you know, what about Valentine? And most of us think about a red rose. See, I can paint a picture by using words. A big red rose. These are things that, that, that they paint a picture in your mind. So, oh, you know what? I can remember when uh, I gave so-and-so these roses or, or I received roses. And uh, the point I'm trying to make is that words paint a picture. Words paint a picture. And let's go now to the book of Habakkuk, the prophet in the, in the Old Testament. And let's see what he said about words. Habakkuk, the second chapter in the first verse. And he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. And will watch what he, and he's talking about is what God will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the second verse said, and the Lord, he said, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. So in other words, God said, you, what, I, what I show you, you write. Because I want you to paint a picture of uh, these words that I'm going to speak to you. They're going to paint a picture for the, for the hearer. He says, write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. So in other words, God is saying, when I tell you what I'm going to tell you, this is going to put urgency on the, when the, when the people read it, they're going to recognize this is a now word and it's something that you need to react to. And then in the third verse, God begins to speak. He said again, 
He says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak. So in other words, God said, the words that I speak to you, they are true. And when it comes to pass, you will know that it is true. And it, it was the word of God because it shall come to pass. He says, but at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. In other words, it will not work. Not, uh, not, uh, not wait. It shall come to pass. So what we see the prophet's doing here, he's painting a picture and again emphasizing what, what we're teaching on today is about the importance of words, importance of the seeds that we are that we allow to be planted in our hearts, seeds that are uh, uh, imputed in our spirit or burst within us. And again, that's one of the subjects we talked about was that if you don't like what you're producing, what are you consuming? What are you thinking on? What are you meditating? Because you have to watch what you hear. You, we have to watch what we meditate on. We have to watch what comes into our spirit. And as we talked about earlier, about having how things can just be birthed in us. Bitterness can be birthed from, birthed from hurt. You know, whether we can be uh, uh, abused as a child, we can be talked about as, as young adults, we can be criticized unnecessarily or, or, or wrongfully. We can be accused of things that we didn't do. And then because we are innocent, many times we will become bitter because we don't see justice. And that's one of the things that we, we, uh, we see in, in this country particularly now, and it's happening all over the world, where people say they want justice. And many are bitter because they can remember what happened to their mother and their father and their grandparents, and they see this thing happening over and over and over again. Yes, justice should be. Uh, uh, brought about. Justice should be uh, brought to bear so that if the accused is guilty, they should be punished. But what I'm saying to the believer is we cannot allow these things to bear roots of bitterness. Well, we won't forgive. Yes, you can forgive. And you can also remember, you, but we, got to, uh, we have to forgive those who have hurt us, who have despitefully used us, who have spoken against us. We can't allow that to grow up in us because it will hinder us. And I often use this example. Uh, as one preacher told me one time, he said, you know what? Holding bitterness in your heart is like you taking some poison and drinking it and hoping your enemy dies. Because bitterness and unforgiveness will destroy you. To put it another way, it's just like you saying you having a boat and you're throwing down the anchor and say, you know what? I'm going to sail uh, from New York Harbor down to Miami. And you wonder why you're not moving. Because unforgiveness and bitterness will keep you in the past. They'll keep you looking back. I remember how they hurt me. I remember what they did to me. Why? Because bitterness has been birthed in us. But the love of God for the believer is already in us. We don't have to ask for love, but the seed of love is in us. Love is in us. It was birthed by when Christ came and we received him by faith. Jesus came into our hearts and he is, he's, he's resident in us. The scripture says, if you have not, the, uh, in the book of Romans, if you have not the spirit of God, you're none of his. So when you get saved, the spirit of God comes in you. And we know there's a, second, um, there's a second move of the Spirit with us, which, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
it too comes with the power of God. So then we can not only uh, walk in power and authority for ourselves, but we also can pray for the sick and we can uh, do the miraculous things of Christ. But we have the seed of God in us. We have the word of God in us. Only thing we need to do is get out of the way and receive. We don't have to beg God. We just have to receive what he's already done. God has already given us love. He's already given us authority. He's already given us blessings. As I said earlier, uh, a great study for all of us. And as I go back and read for myself, the book of uh, the book of Ephesians, which talk, I call it the uh, God's uh, testament or will for all of us. We know that the will of God, but I'm talking about a will. Well, we see how he says that I've given you wisdom and prudence. I've left an inheritance for uh, the believer. How that all of these things have been reserved for us. The only thing we need to do is receive them. We don't have to pull anything down from heaven. We don't have to beg God for anything. We just have to consume the seed that he has for us. And the word of God will push out, purge out the bitterness and the hurtfulness and the remorse of, of, of past hurt. Whether we were the one who hurt people or if we were the ones that were hurt, the love of God will overshadow and overtake anything, everything that may be affecting us today. So let's move on now. But again, the vision that Habakkuk was talking about can be painted. It was painted by words. And it is what made the hearer. He, the scripture says, he that, he that, when you read it, it'll make you run because you recognize the urgency of which the writer was, was, uh, had put into them. Okay? So let's go now to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29th chapter. And many times as I seek, I seek to uh, uh, express what grace is, grace, the grace of God lets us know as Roman, as, as Paul so excellent, excellently put in the book of Romans, he said that all of us have sinned. The book of the third chapter of, of Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us, no matter who you are, whether you're the bishop, the elder, the uh, saint that just got saved uh, five minutes ago, all have failed in one way or another. It don't mean we're going to fail for the rest of our lives, every day of our life, but it means we all need a savior. And we continually need the grace of God to be shed abroad in our hearts. The love of God, which he again, as I say again, the love of God is resident. It's up to us to receive it as, as newborn uh, uh, believers of Christ. So as we read here in the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, this was a time where Israel had been brought into captivity because of their disobedience. And the one of the things that we know about the law is that the law brought judgment. The, the, the scripture says, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And we know the grace is God's unmerited, unearned favor. You can't buy what Jesus uh, uh, bought for us when he, when he gave his blood, he shed his blood for us. You can't perform and, and receive grace. You just have to receive it. You receive it by faith. And this is what um, God was telling here in, in, uh, in, in Jeremiah. He was showing, he was, he was being graceful to them. 
Now, we know Christ hadn't died in the time of Jeremiah. But what the Lord was showing here in Jeremiah 29 and 10, he says, For thus says the Lord, that the 70 years uh, be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. Now, whenever Israel rejected God and after, after uh, years and, and, and prophet after prophet had come and they refused to obey, then the enemy would come. Not only would it come, they would take the people out of Israel and scatter them abroad. They took them to uh, uh, Iran and Iraq, and they took them to uh, Babylon and all the different places along, along the uh, Mediterranean to let, because they had disobeyed God, and this was their punishment. But God said, for thus it, read the 10th verse again. He said, after 70 years, that I'm going to bring you back to this place. But in the 11th verse, he says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God said, I know the words. That would work. Thoughts are words. He said, I know the words that I think towards you, saith the Lord. He said, thoughts of peace. He says, I have words of peace for you. And they was in captivity. They were slaves. But God began to show them, tell them about his favor. He said, I love you. I want you to know. And if God, we have a better covenant than the, than the, uh, the Jews had under the, uh, under the law. We have a better promise. That's why Jesus said that uh, when, he, and when he spoke to John the Baptist's followers, and that John wanted a confirmation that hopefully he hadn't thrown his life away because uh, he, he, he was wondering, he said, well, did I, did I really anoint the right one? Did I really baptize the right one? And Jesus was his cousin. But this was in a time of turmoil for John. He had been thrown into prison because he, would, he had criticized Herod for marrying his brother's wife. But Jesus comforted him with words. And he told him, John, he told him, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but what he, he did, he said, you tell John this, that the, that the, uh, the, the, the sick are healed. The dead are, that, that he raised a dead man. The blind I see. The lame walk. He said, and what he was doing was he was reminding John of what Isaiah 35 talked about. How that when Messiah come, this is what he's going to do. But not only did he heal the sick, not only did he uh, 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 cure the lame, not only were blind eyes open, but he did something extra. He raised a dead man. So with words, Jesus comforted John the Baptist. And this is what God desires to do for us. He wants us to be, get into his word, meditate on it. And when you do, you will be comforted even in your hard times, even in the times when you feel all alone and you feel uh, lower than low. The, the, the elders used to say, uh, they said, you feel just lower than a snake's belly. But I want to tell you, grace, he, Jesus told Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you're at the, your lowest low, don't give up. When you feel like quitting, don't give up. When you've done the worst thing that you think you could ever imagine and your heart is broken because you, you, you let the Lord down again, don't give up. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. What he's saying is, come to me. 
Don't turn back. Don't go back. Don't give up all this ground. Sometimes we feel like we, we just, I mean, no, many times I feel like, Lord, I don't, I don't know how many years you're saving. As you begin to learn more, my God, you realize there is so much more to know. There's so much more to learn. There's so much more to, uh, that if, if, as you seek God, he'll reveal more and more and more. And when you have develop that confidence, no matter what happens, no matter if I feel like I'm in prison, in, 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 uh, in depression, I'm in prison, in poverty, you can feel that way. But Jesus says in, in, in his word, I've got you. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. As I said before, I'll say it again. One touch of God's favor is worth a lifetime of labor. You can work and 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 work hour after hour after hour. One job, two jobs, three jobs, four, five, six, seven jobs, more and more. But it doesn't matter all this time you put in, just one touch of God's favor can turn your life around in one night. One word. That's why the people of the Old Testament, when they went to the prophet, say, is there a word from the Lord? Because they knew if I can get a word, if I can get direction, if I can get the wisdom of this situation, if I can get the wisdom, and that's what we need now. We need the wisdom. America has turned her back on, on, the, on the scripture. I'm telling you, I'm not, not everybody. But America as a whole do, does not esteem the word of God highly. But the believer, if you're a believer in God, if you are, you are washed in the blood and you, are, and you can be the weakest saint, you have access to the grace of God. It can get you out of any hole. It can get you out of any situation. But what Jesus will do is he don't just get you out. He'll come and get into it with you. And let you know I got you. If only you will allow him to be the God of more than enough. He is enough. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I hadn't gotten halfway through what I wanted to talk about today. That may be halfway. But I just wanted to bring the word to you today. That stay in the word. Don't give up. Don't let go. Refuse, refuse, refuse to let the enemy, as, as, as Eve did. She didn't, she didn't have a Bible to trust in, or to read, rather. But she had the word. Eve didn't have all the things to deal with as we, did, we do today. She didn't have all the evil that's in the world today. But she one thing that she had, she had Jesus in person. Every day, the Bible says the word of God, the voice of God, which is the word of God, which I believe in first Eric, was Jesus himself walking in the cool of the evening to come and fellowship with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve weren't holy. They were innocent. They were innocent. They didn't, they didn't know sin. They didn't know evil. They didn't know murder. They didn't know uh, backbiting and lying and, and all those other things that uh, uh, affect the world today. But we have more than Eve. We have Christ on the inside. We have Christ on the inside. We have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And we have the power of God. If you would just use it. If you would just access 
by faith. This grace wherein we stand. You have access. But what you don't know, some people say what you don't know won't hurt you. I say what you don't know will kill you. It can kill you. For Jesus said, my, the word of God says, brother, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And what is knowledge? Just word. It's the words, particularly the word of God, which is appropriate for every situation. Again, I pray that the word of God has been a blessing to you today. I pray that you would hear the words. That's my prayer that from this uh, speaker, there's so many voices in the world. There's thousands, if not millions of them, that podcast each and everywhere. But I pray for those who would who choose to listen. My prayer as a fellow believer, not higher than you, but just a fellow believer who believe that I've been called for such a time as this, as you are. We all have our calling. No matter, there is a calling for you. There is a work for you. God has called you. You may be called to your family to be that light to bring them out. You may be the one voice that your brother will listen to. You may be the one voice that your mom and dad will listen to. They may never hear me, never heard, and may never be, have heard of me for uh, all of all of uh, all of my life. But they know you. That's why Jesus said, "We are the light of the world." What makes us the light? The word which we received by faith. And to end today, uh, I believe it's the book of Matthew. 12th chapter in 37, I want to paraphrase, he says, by your words, you are justified. And by your words, you are condemned. The words that you speak and declare, you are made righteous by your belief in Jesus Christ. He wipes all of your sin away. He took it away. And for anyone who listens to me today, if you don't know him, if you will just declare him as Lord and as Savior, I, sometimes I, at, the end of, at the end of uh, messages, I give you words to say, but Jesus knows your heart. The only thing you need to do is declare him. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. I make you Lord of my life today. Come and live in me. For I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. Lord, receive me as you said you would. And I believe it by faith. I'm saved because I come to you and you said you know I cast me out. Thank you, Lord, for I declare I'm a part of the family of God. It's just that simple. Lord, thank you for these words today. I pray it's a blessing to those who would hear me and hear this broadcast, Lord. I pray it blesses those who are hurt those who are confused, those who need a word and who need to be encouraged. I praise these things in Jesus' name. To the next broadcast, amen.